0: This is the uh, second week in August, and uh, we got two more weeks of Bible study. So I'm going to fly high because I'd like to give you an outline of Revelation as it relates to the kingdom of the next two weeks. So I'm going to fly on this, and uh, if you got some questions, comments, you want to discuss something that we're going over, feel free to do so. It's a, uh, it's a. Uh, this subject is inexhausted, and uh, it's a subject that uh, the more you're into it, the more the more you see. It. And I'd suggest if you really want to go and, and read some information on this, if you want to get into it in depth, I'd suggest two books: either the *Greatness of the Kingdom* by Alexander Haynes, or uh, Michael Block has uh, *He Will Reign Forever*, and. Uh, Either one of these books are very good. Michael Bloch is a little bit newer, and uh, he may not be as in depth as McLean is, but uh, yeah, not far from it. In fact, the book he quotes the most from is McLean, so he may he may be a book to understand McLean better than McLean. He'd really want it. Could you say those two books again, please? Okay, the first book is The Greatness of the Kingdom by Alva J. McLean. And the second one is uh, He Will Reign Forever by Michael Block, who's from Nebraska, graduated University of Nebraska. You can probably get him on Amazon. Albert J. McLean might be close to being out of print. I don't know that it is, but I think you can still get it through Brother Missionary Herald. but um, Block's book is hot off the press. So I'd suggest that if you want to. And uh, if you want to to go further into it sometime, I can buy the coffee and the next time we meet you can buy the steak. (laughs) But if you want to sometime, you just want to sit down and talk it over Let us know. Come to our house. Or we can meet somewhere. Alright. We're in uh, your notes. We're starting off. I think we've already discussed some of this. But When Jesus came to the earth as uh, man, uh, that was a a moment. Uh, There's always been a theological issue of eternity and no time in God's eyes. But there was a time when the Son of God was not a man. And there is a time when God the Son is a man forever, but forever back, he wasn't a man. So I think the point, in my opinion, the point of time was when Jesus Christ became a man. You tell time from that way back, and you tell time from that way forward. Of course, time and, time with God, he's not limited to time. Over and above time, and time is uh, created. What, how would you define time? Can you give a good definition of time? Stop looking at a watch. Time is the uh, space between two moving objects. We'll argue with that? <laughs> That's what time is. All right, there was a showdown and we talked about it when Jesus came. There was a, there an effort by Satan to destroy all the babies after Jesus was born, all the male children around the Bethlehem era. And what a weeping that was when Jesus came. Every baby, male baby around the Bethlehem area under two years old was killed. And then uh, there was a uh, Jesus himself, after his baptism, was led up into the wilderness to be tempted by, uh, Jesus, by Satan. Look at Luke 4, 1 to 3. Luke 4, 1 to 3. The first Adam faced Satan in just a short time. It wasn't hardly, a, uh, hardly even a conflict. Where Jesus, in Luke 4, chapter 1, and 2 specifically, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days, and when they had ended, he became hungry, and of course, then he was vulnerable to the te- temptation of the bread and. And during his life, there was an underpinning. A battle continues during the ministry of Christ by the manifestations of people being podest- possessed by demons through fanatical reaction of religious leaders who were determined to kill, to kill Jesus. Someone read John 8:44 and someone Matthew 16, 21 to 23, please. John 8, and Matthew 16, 21. John 8:44, you
1: are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies.
0: Pretty direct comments to the religious leaders, wouldn't you say? Uh, Jesus wasn't known for uh, mincing words when you, when you really uh, look at the life of Jesus. Okay, the next passage of Scripture I gave you was Matthew 16:21 to23. The people were rejecting him.
2: Says from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Nevermore, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God
0: of the things of men. Okay, uh, Peter, out of the good kindness of his own heart, I think, and sincerity of his own heart, he didn't want Jesus to die. But unwittingly, he did line up with Satan's program. Jesus, Satan didn't want Jesus to die for the sins of the world either. He tried to kill him before he got to that point. And also during that time, his relationship to the demons in Matthew 3.11, I'll read that. Whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they would fall down before him and shout, You're the Son of God. Angels knew, demons know who Jesus was. In James it says, even the demons fear God. They believe and fear God. They're not saved, but they... They fear God. Then we have the rejection of the Messiah, and during the early ministry of Christ, there were several attempts to take Jesus' physical life before the crucifixion. How about Luke 4, 28 and 30? Followed by Mark 14, 1 and 2, John 5, 18, John 8, 20. Grab a verse, and when you got Luke...
3: Four twenty-eight 28 to 30, go ahead and read it. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up and drove him out of out of the town and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built, in order to throw him off down the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. All right, they tried to kill him
0: because of what he said in the synagogue. He was a controversial person, still is, by the way. Very controversial. Mark 4, 14, 1 and 2. It was now two days before the Passover and the feast of unleavened bread,
1: and the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to arrest him by stealth and kill him. For they said, Not during the feast, lest there be an uproar from
0: the people. Okay, they feared the people. But the religious leaders of Judaism who claimed to follow Moses had in mind to kill Jesus in his lifetime. How about John 5.18? And John 8.20. John 5.18. For this reason they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking
1: the Sabbath but he was even calling God his own Father and making himself equal to
0: God. Yeah, they caught on to that. Jesus was making himself Equal with God. Not only did he break the Sabbath, which was a high uh, thing with them,
4: he tried to kill him about John 8.20. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Yeah, he was protected by that hour, and you read that hour
0: ever so often in the book of John. His hour, his time to be killed, his time to be crucified, had not come. And nobody could touch him till then. Side issue. Hebrews 27 says that it's appointed unto man once to die after that judgment. Our hour is appointed too. Just as a birth. So uh, make use of time that God gives you. And enjoy your life down here. But it's inevitable. I think the president said everybody's... If this... Uh, Climate change is going to kill everybody. Well, everybody is going to die.
2: So, can I ask a quick question? Sure. So, I mean, I have a good friend whose mom is just in, you know, the stages of, you know, major dementia, and Alzheimer's, and she is so ready to go and whatever, and you know, the time is set. You know, so it's like, okay, we've had this discussion. I mean, how do you pray? What do you, you know, because he knows it's a set time, but you just. You know they're ready, and
0: yeah, I mean, very simply, I pray your your will be done. And just we had a daughter-in-law dying of ALS. We all knew it was it was uh, permanent. I mean, mm-hmm. our, uh, it was terminal, and uh, which is true of all of us. And uh, we just prayed. There was, you know, in the latter stages, uh, just kept going down, down, down. And, your wish is that uh, the Lord to take her home, but I'm not comfortable praying that other than to say your will be done. It's your will be home. I don't pray that for unbelievers. Right. Because you know, when uh, the rich man died in Luke 16, he told Abraham, would you have Lazarus come and put some pot? water on his finger and, and put it on my tongue and, and relieve me. That's not much relief, but it is relief. And my view is, and I, you know, this is just me, uh, my view is keep the guy alive long you can if he doesn't know the Lord. If you wanted a definition of time, I'd say
1: it's grace. Time is grace.
0: Mm-hmm. In that case, yeah. So uh, I feel different about maybe a believer because death is a door to eternal life. We miss them down here, and it's uh, 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 sorrow and, and disappointment sometimes and absence, but for the person that's died, who knows Christ, it's the best thing possible. Thank you. Okay. Thanks for the question. Uh, Christ's rejection by his people. The religious leaders rejected him, but it's also seen by his people. Look at Matthew chapter 23, verses 37 and 39.
3: Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem! You have killed the prophets and stoned those. Sent to you. How often have I longed to gather your children together, as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings? But you were not willing. Look, your house is left to no, see. look. Your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, "Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord." Okay, this is a rejection of the people.
0: Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which is the center piece of the kingdom. And the house is the temple, the centerpiece of Jerusalem. That's where the Lord will eventually rule. And he said, your house is being left desolate. Forty years later, the house was destroyed. Jerusalem was defeated. And the Jewish people were dispersed all over the world. And you won't see any. Your house will be left desolate until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's the second coming. There is no temple in Jerusalem right now. The temple in Jerusalem is owned by Jordan, and they're basically uh, Muslim. So there's no temple there yet. And there won't be until Jesus comes back again on an official temple. Interesting, isn't it? 2,000 years ago, this prediction was made, and here we are 2,000 years later. Still not a temple. Luke thirteen,
5: thirty-three and thirty-five. In any of case I must keep going today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside of Jerusalem. O oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those stone those sent to you. How often I have long to gather your children together as a gathers her chicks on her wings, but you were not willing. Look, your house is left to desolate, is left to desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you, until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord.
0: Luke uh, repeats the same story. Somebody read Luke 19.41 right after Palm Sunday. People celebrate Palm Sunday because Jesus fulfilled prophecy in Zechariah chapter 9 coming into town on the colt, the foal of a donkey. Remember that? And they given the red carpet treatment. They throw down their uh, coats and palm fronds. They lay it on the path as Jesus comes in. And after he comes in, here's what he says of the day. Luke uh, 19, or Luke, excuse me, Luke 19, yeah, Luke 19, 41 to 44. Now as he drew near,
1: he saw the city and wept over it. Saying, if you had known even you especially in this your day, the things that make for you are peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another, because you did not know the time of your visitation.
0: Okay, when you go to Jerusalem, one of the things they'll show you, stones that the Romans threw down, you're still there. Still laying on the ground where they were thrown over in 70 AD. And there's no temple. A part of the city, uh, the only thing left on the part of the Temple Mount is the foundation called the Western Wall, or the, uh, as we used to call it, the Wailing Wall. Uh, That wall is nothing more than a foundation to the temple ground. And uh, Titus left that there for people to see the power of the Roman army. Still, you can see it. And over the years, when I was there in 85, they didn't even, um, the stones on the street was still covered with grass. The next time I was there, they were uncovering it that, and the last time I was there, they were, the stones were there, clear to see, great big stones, or ropes covered up. And they tore it down too, because when they, uh, when they uh, finally captured Jerusalem, the people took their gold and silver, melted it down, and put it in the cracks of the temple, and the armies in those days got paid by whatever loot they could haul out of there. So they tore the, the rocks down so that they could
3: get the gold that the Jews tried to hide. Is there any is there any truth to the concept? I've heard this once or twice. That the gold in Jerusalem, they're taking over. Supposedly, a lot of that was used to fund building of the Colosseums and different things in Rome. I don't know. Is there any? You know, like a, that? I don't think I can answer that. I don't know. I just wondered if that was... I I do know and have
0: read, you remember all the gold that was in Nebuchadnezzar's uh, city? When the uh, Persians or the Medes and Persians came in and and took over Babylon, Uh, they didn't have much use for gold and all that gold that was in uh, Babylon has not yet been accounted for. So if you wanna uh, take a a trip and and look for gold, uh, go to Baghdad
3: maybe we could arrange a bus trip
5: what does that mean no prophet can die outside the city
0: no prophet will die outside the city uh, is a prediction that they'll all die in Jerusalem
5: which prophet I mean just
0: I would say the Old Testament prophets Remember, they killed all the prophets. Yeah. Not all of them, but they killed the normal. That doesn't
5: have to do with Jesus dying or
0: anything. I think it's a prediction that He will die in Jerusalem as did the prophets. I'm not real happy with that answer, but I may have to look at that and give it more. Mm-hmm. Alright, the kingdom miracles. We'll just fly over these. Okay, take a look at Matthew. Chapter 11, 2-6 The miracles revealed in the time of Jesus uh, His ability to rule over all Revealed the Messiah and His ability to rule over all Matthew 11, 2-6 John the Baptist is having a problem He's a forerunner of Jesus Christ And as a forerunner He's been thrown in jail And he's going to lose his head Literally so here's, what he, here's his problem in verses two to, 2 to 6.
1: Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up and the poor have good
0: names preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Okay, uh, Jesus quotes Isaiah 35, which is a passage about the millennium. He says, John, go tell John what you're seeing." And uh, I can't find the verse. I don't have it marked in this uh, in my Bible, but 35 is... Uh, Isaiah 35 is about the millennium. And uh, he actually quotes from there. And so Jesus says to Tell John this. The blind are receiving their sight, the poor have the gospel preached to them, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up. Who else is doing this? God didn't do it doing all the miracles that the king that the king uh, has promised to do in the Old Testament and as, as uh, Thomas said last week uh, wherever Jesus went there was a bubble and that bubble was a kingdom when you got in that bubble you were healed Charles Moody uh, was going to preach a funeral sermon so he decided he wanted to find his sermon and see what Jesus preached at a funeral Wasn't it? Jesus, every time he saw a dead man or went right near one, the dead are raised. So he was life eternal. So John, that should satisfy you. Should know from Isaiah 35 that that it is uh, there. Oh, I'm looking at 33 and no wonder I didn't see it. Should have glanced there. Uh, go ahead somebody
3: got it 35.5 35.5 read it instantly please then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped? then the lame will leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy God will dash forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert that's 5 and 6 okay
0: Jesus just quotes that There's your proof The healings and exorcisms were manifestation of his power over disease and the demonic world. But they're also miracles of nature. Go to Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 to 27. (coughs) These miracles are no shock to you, but as the king, he breaks the curse of the earth. Remember uh, Isaiah 11? The curse will be lifted. And here's where Jesus uh, lifts that curse in his his time. Matthew
5: eight twenty three to twenty seven. Then he got in the boat and his disciples followed him without without a warning. A furious storm came on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, "Lord, save us! We're going to drown." He re- he replied. You have little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. All right. Uh,
0: When I was a kid, they used to sing a song. It was one of my four favorite ones when I sang in uh, Believe It or Not in a choir. And it was, Master, carest thou not that we perish? How (laughs) can you lie asleep? and the angry waves are so angrily blowing our ship is about ready to go down wired we're we're drowning and you're asleep well if they would had faith realize Jesus isn't going to die at the bottom of the sea of Galilee he's going to die on a cross let's all go to sleep right So he stands up, reduces the wind and waves, and it's all perfectly calm. Now, usually when a windstorm's over, the waves go for a day or two. But immediately, it was all calm. Stop the storm. You could go uh, another couple miracles, the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000 and Christ's control over the fish and the grain How about when he was supposed to pay the temple tax? Peter says, "Uh, do we pay tax? Jesus said, we really don't need to, but in order to satisfy him, we'll pay the tax. Of course, they were always broke because Judas kept swiping the money. So, he says to Peter, go down to the dock here at Capernaum and throw in your hook. And I'll have a fish go down to the bottom of the sea, get the right coin, come up and catch your hook have control over the fish of the sea. Remember what God told Adam? You'll have control over the fish and everything that moves. You'll be the king. You'll have dominion. Psalms 8 says Psalm 8, what is man that you're mindful of him and you make him in control? And Hebrews says we don't quite have control yet. The man will eventually. And uh, you'll be able to have limes and pets for those who live in the millennium. John 20, 30, 31, kind of sums this
4: all up, our miracles. Many other signs, therefore, Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these have been written that you may believe that Jesus is Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life his name. Okay, that you may believe Jesus
0: is the Christ, the Messiah, the King. Christ is the Greek translation of the Messiah. Christos is the name in Greek, and uh, Yeshua is the name in Hebrew. All right, let's take a look at the crucifixion from the world's point of view. It's pretty easy. The nation of Israel and the world saw the death of Christ as the end of Christ's kingdom. We put an end to it. We claim to be the Christ? He isn't anymore. We killed him. So there was a rejoicing. And they were making fun at Christ when he's on the cross. They wagged their heads. That's a, a, a form of gesture. A, a gesture. Uh, Filthy gestured as he was hanging on a cross. Hey, you said you'd build a temple in three days. Come on down. Remember all, remember all that mocking? But even the followers of Christ were disappointed. Look at Matthew 25 or 26-56. Matthew 26, 56, and Luke 22, 54. Luke 24-21, John
3: twenty one three. Who is ready over there? This is uh, all taken place that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled.
0: When Jesus got arrested, what happened to the twelve? Five. However, John did follow him, and at a distance, Peter did. Look at twenty two, Luke, verse fifty four.
2: having arrested him, they led him away and brought him to the house of the high priest But Peter was following at a
0: distance. When Peter was confronted and asked if he were part of the twelve, Peter stood up and just boldly witnessed. <laughs> he did what a lot of people do. They fade and do the woodwork. But in this case, Peter denied him three times then at the end of that, he caught Jesus' eyes and he went out and wept bitterly. You know, he denied Jesus as much as Judas did, but what's the difference? He repented. He repented. Judas killed himself. And when Peter saw that, his heart caved and he wept. How glad I'm sure he was at the Sea of Galilee when Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? You know why I love you. And he did it three times. Why do you think he did it three times? Because he denied it three times. How about Luke 24 21, the couple on the way to uh, Emmaus and Jesus hooked up with him. Here's their their comment about crucifixion. But we had
1: hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is
0: now the third day since these things have happened. Man, they were disappointed. (coughs) We were were hoping that uh, he would redeem Israel. He'd save Israel. Now it's the third day. So Jesus sat down with them and went all through the Old Testament. What a quick lesson that was. And taught them from the Old Testament that all these things happened to, had to happen. The suffering and the glory. John 21, verse 3.
2: Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We will also come with you they went out and got into the boat and that night they
0: caught him. Okay. Simon Peter said, you know what? I think he's saying here, I'm going back to my old old occupation. After all this happened, I'm going back to my old occupation. So they all went with, the the, the few that were with him went with him and they went out to catch fish. Guess what? Caught him. When they came in in the morning, somebody was standing on the shore with a fire cooking fish. Let down your net on the other side of the boat. Okay, we'll do it. We fished all night. We're expert fishermen. It's too late in the morning to catch school of fish. But they did it anyway.
3: Caught all the fish. They took his advice before, back when they were first called. Is it my incorrect in saying that? When they were first called to come be disciples yeah that he said hey you know they must take advice from anyone that walks by apparently you know that says try that side or try over here yeah or, he did that
0: to them yeah but he also said to them follow me and i will make you fishers of men now peter says you know what i'm going fishing Okay, at the cross there is a, many things happen there and we, we spent a lot of time and I don't want to overlook them, either the sacrificial death and all the ramifications from it and our salvation and all that. But there's something else that happened at the uh, cross and uh, that happened is a defeat of Satan. Take a look at John 12:31, John 12:31.
5: Now is the time for the judgment of this world, now the prince of this world will be driven out.
0: Okay? Now the judgment is upon the world. The ruler of the world will be cast out. John 16:11. And about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. So Christ's sacrificial death was his victory over Satan and his judgment of Satan. Christ's redemption from the slave bought us from the slave market of sin and granted us power to be delivered from the believer's domain. Acts 26:18. It's interesting when uh, Jesus said, "I'll build my church, and the gates of 80s will never prevail." Now when people die, they go to heaven with him. Prior to that, they were kept in Sheol in paradise. All right.
3: Acts 26, 18. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins in a place among those who are sanctified by faith and me. OK, he opened their eyes. And uh,
0: from darkness to light, from the dominion of Satan to God. Satan no longer has, we as believers, has dominion over us. We belong to Christ. He affects us, but he cannot have dominion over us. Colossians 1.13 He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. And his kingdom of his beloved son is what? Kingdom. Kingdom. You and I are members of that kingdom already. We're strangers and aliens here. Already a part of that. You already got your passport. So when your time comes and it's ready to get on the as they say across the river, uh, you already got your uh, passport. Jesus' mastery over the demonic world also demonstrated his power over Satan. And uh, we have that in Matthew chapter twelve, verse twenty two to twenty
2: nine. Then they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute. And Jesus healed them, so that he could both talk and see. All the people were astonished and said, Could this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, It is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Belizebub, by whom do your people drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Do I read another one? Yes, one person. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house? and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man. Then he can rob his house. Okay,
0: uh, Jesus' accusation came that Jesus was in in a legion with Satan and he was casting out demons by Satan. Jesus, that makes no sense. A kingdom divided by itself cannot stand, nor can a house if it's divided. Nor can our own country. If it's divided like it's trend is to be, we're in serious trouble. The resurrection of Christ. The resurrection is a confirmation of the deity of Christ. Romans 1 4 and 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 5.
3: Romans 1 4 who through the Spirit of Holiness was appointed the Son of God in power by His resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord.
0: Okay, the Son of God with power by means basically of the resurrection from the dead. He rose from the dead. He is the Son of God. He is the Son of God with power. He is Jesus Christ the Lord. He is alive. Right now. And in the third heaven, he sits at the right hand of God. And he's coming back. 1 Peter 1, 3-5. Peter talks
4: about this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. All right? He is, uh, We have, through his resurrection,
0: obtained an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away. Got your money in the stock market? Got your money in bonds? flexible right but you can build an inheritance that will never fade it will always be there and in fact the interest is unbelievable it's reserved in heaven for you it's protected by the power of God by means of our faith for salvation ready to be real in last time well what about the ascension? how does that affect all of this take a look at Acts chapter 1 1 to 4 uh, I, I let's uh, i'll just tell you what that is he says the first account I opposed Theophilus was all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day is taken up into heaven and then in verse three to these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs appearing to them over a period of 40 days and what were they speaking about? The kingdom of God. Don't you imagine as the two men walked to the mass that the kingdom was overdone. Jesus died. Now He comes back and He's living from the dead so He appears over and over again and one of the topics is the kingdom of God. As sure as I'm alive, there's going to be a kingdom. I'm just waiting. Now, we read in 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 15, 3 to 8, about the post-resurrection of Jesus Christ. Before I, <clears throat> for I delivered to you as of first
1: importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than five thousand or five hundred brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared all to me.
0: All right. He appeared to five hundred people at one time. Now, how many witnesses do you need to assure something's true? In a court, two will do it. Won't it? And under Jewish law, two would do it. Here you got 500, plus others. And uh, in spite of the world's efforts to lay down the resurrection of Jesus Christ, people who have studied this thoroughly have come to know Christ to get in here and really look at all the uh, things that are going on and Josh McDowell and others, uh, there's a later one I can't think of his name right now attorney, who wrote on this subject as well and uh, it's just almost it's a, a fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and there's many arguments against it well after he ascended and the day he was going to descend The disciples ask him a question. Take a look at it in Acts chapter 1, verses 6 to 8. Acts chapter 1, verses 6 to 8.
2: So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth.
0: Okay, when they came together, later I believe the Lord rose, ascended into heaven. The question is, Lord, is it at this time? Notice the question's about time, not whether He's going to restore it or not. They firmly believed he was going to restore, restore it. They just didn't know the time. There, some people read this passage and take it that, are you going to restore the kingdom? No, that's not the question. The question is, are you going to restore the kingdom in Israel? Uh, Lord, is it at this time? Are you going to do it right now? At this moment? Not if you're going to restore the kingdom. When? And Jesus uh, says to them, it's not for you to know the times or the epics. That's not what's important right now. The Father has fixed it by His own authority when this is going to happen. And we're already 2,000 years from that time. And, And this is in the Father's hands. But, on the other hand, you will receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be My witnesses both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. What is their assignment? Witness. And witness of what? Jesus Christ. That's the issue. And how oft has the church got mixed up? got into social issues, political issues, other issues. But our primary objective since Jesus has gone to heaven is to talk about Him and His Kingdom and how He's coming back. Presenting His own salvation, how He saved us from sin,
3: from the devil. Boy. I've always understood how you explain it. I've just explained it. Uh, My question is, would this little section or this part be any reference to the 144,000 who are supposed to witness at the very, very end? I don't believe so. This is the church. He is
0: not now directing himself and we'll see this in my next section, the transition from the kingdom to the church. There is a whole new paradigm. In the Old Testament, when you wanted to be saved and proved that you were saved, how would I know that? You'd go to the temple. And you'd stand there at the temple and witness all the sacrifices. If you were a Christian or a believer in the Old Testament, you'd have to go to Jerusalem at least three times a year. Now, when Jesus came and He gave His Great Commission in Matthew 28 and here in Acts 1-8, what He is saying is, what do you do now? Go to Jerusalem? Where are you supposed to go? Into, the world. Into all the world. Entire different paradigm." Old Testament, you could put a sign up outside the temple, come into the temple. And I see churches say, come into our church. Well, really, the church is to build up the saints, and the saints are to witness wherever you are. In the school, in the office, in your neighborhood, at the gas station, at the grocery store. Or God lays his hand on some of them, they go overseas, they go as a mission go into a a mission field as evangelists or pastors or teachers but the goal of the church is to spread the gospel wherever they go and when people get saved you gather them together and you form an assembly called the church The, the evangelism doesn't take place in the church it's okay many people are saved in the church but the evangelism should really be taken out in um, highways and byways. Instead of we're can and can meat, we're sending politicians over, we're sending all kinds of things over, but we're not spreading the gospel. If all we do is educate, we get healthy and wise demons. And if all we do is feed them, we get healthy demons. Their heart has to be changed. That's the commission here. Go and do all, it Go and even gives you the order. Look at Acts
3: one I uh, Read it again. Acts 1a. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Okay, stop right there. Where's the first place? Jerusalem.
0: Next, Vincent.
3: And in all Judea Next. and Samaria Next. And to, and to the ends of the earth. That's the order.
0: Started in Jerusalem, judea the area around Jerusalem, Samaria next door, and then to the uttermost parts of the earth. And where are we? Uttermost parts of the earth. We're a long way from Jerusalem. It's not bad by flight, but you <coughs> had to walk it would be quite a way. And that is how it started. Sure. <coughs> and then they were spread, spread out. Look at the Book of Acts. Yeah. The book of Acts tells you what happens there. And the book of Acts, by the way, is a a transition book from the law, Moses and the law and Israel, to grace. Things happen in the book of Acts that are are not repeatable. Pentecost is not repeatable. Even though we have a group of churches that try to repeat it, And when they try to repeat it, all kinds of confusion amounts. And tongues were there as predicted and and there was all kinds of things happening. And there are 32 miracles in the book of Acts. But we don't see the miracles happening now. And even in Paul's life, the miracles, you know, one time they, they brought stuff to Paul and he was healed. But in the latter end of his life, he said, I had to leave one. I can't ever think of his name, what his name was. He left in uh, my is sick. And what did he tell Timothy? Put your hands on the TV when I'm speaking and you will be healed. Drink some wine. Yeah, drink some wine been drinking, you've been avoiding it because you didn't want it to be called a wine giver and you've not been taking it, but you know what? The water's so bad, you better take a little bit of wine. So, uh, and he had a doctor with him, by the way. Luke. Some people believe Luke was uh, Paul's personal physician. Wherever he went, Luke went. Probably kept him. Uh, Don't eat that, Paul. for you're eating too much, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Watch your blood pressure. Whatever. So I've flown by it pretty quick. But the Book of Acts over and over again. Furthermore, when when uh, look at Acts chapter two, Peter's sermon just for a moment. Yeah, go ahead and read that. That might be what I'm looking for. Where, where he
3: says, You have killed uh, the Messiah. Acts 2. Then Peter stu- stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It is only nine in the morning.
0: Okay. The verse I want is verse thirty-six, read that then.
3: Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ.
0: Alright. He's made him Lord and He's made him Messiah. And you killed him.
2: Verse twenty three also adds to that.
0: Okay, go to verse twenty three.
2: This man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death.
0: Okay, there's a good question between the sovereignty of God and the free moral responsibility of that. God appointed him to die there and you killed him. Now look at his second sermon in Acts chapter 3. <clears throat> verses 19 and 20, in the middle of his sermon.
1: Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send
0: the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. Wow. There's a second offer. He is saying to them, repent and return that your sins may be wiped out in order that for the purpose times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, the kingdom, and that He, God the Father, may send Jesus, the Messiah, appointed to you. That's the last time you hear it in the book of Acts. that's, a, that's a, another offer. <coughs> you know, from the Old Testament, it was uh, it was said, if you repent of your sin, I'll regather you into your land. When you sin and de- de- deny me, I'll disperse you. But if you repent, you get to go back in your land. Two times Israel has been dispersed. Once in... 586 B.C. to Babylon and 70 A.D. Israel did not repent. In fact, later in the book of Acts, Paul says we're going to the Gentiles. And Gentiles responded all over the place. The Israel, Israel has not. Okay, one last section as well was. Look at Romans chapter uh, 11. Okay. He's talking about Israel. And he says in verse 12, If their transgression is riches for the world, and their failure is riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their fulfillment be? Think about it if the rejection of Israel brought to us our salvation. What will it be when God restores them? How much better will it be when God restores them if their rejection brought the riches? Now their acceptance, Paul's argument, how much more greater it it will be for the Gentiles. I'm speaking to you who are Gentiles in as much as then as I am an apostle of the Gentiles I might magnify my ministry if somehow I might move to jealousy my fellow countrymen and save some of them, for if their rejection is reconciliation of the world that's at the second coming what will their acceptance be but life from death if God's going to receive them if the rest restore them how much is he going to do for the rest of the world goes on, uh, goes down to say. Verse 19, You will say that branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. Quite right. They, sh- they were broken off for their unbelief. But you stand by your faith. Do not be conceited, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, He will not spare you either. So the point is that I don't want you to be ignorant. Verse 25, Brethren, but be uh, brethren, to be uninformed about this mystery, so that you will not be wise in your own estimation. That a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. When God's done with us, he turns to Israel, brings in the king. That first verse is kind of interesting in light of reform theology.
2: I say then,
0: God has not rejected his people as he it may it never be. Yeah, that's pretty plain. God made a promise to Abraham and he's holding himself to it. And we're grafted in. And by the way, we get in because we're married to the king. <coughs> Just like Ruth in the Old Testament. A Moabites. When Naomi said, I'm going back to Bethlehem, Orpah said, You know, maybe I'll stay here in my What did Ruth say? Where you go, I go. you go, I go your God will be my God, and your people will be my people. Where you die, I'll die. Just watch you marry a very rich man. for very rich man. Had a little son called Obed, who was a father of David. God put her in the line of Christ. And the law said, because of, the law said, no Moabitess will enter the temple until the 10th generation. Through the Moabitess, she gets in by grace. Through marriage, and that's how we get in. No oracles are made to Gentiles, except that God blesses, and he's blessed us by, by saving us out of our sin and allowing us to be be married to the Lamb. What a privilege. Going to all the world to preach the gospel. Father, we thank you for the group that's been meeting these Wednesdays. What a joy to fellowship with them, and what a joy to share the word. We look forward until you return, if you allow us to just take a look at the last book of the Bible, and how important the kingdom of God is kingdom at the next stage and all eternity. Thank you in Jesus' name.